With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I want to say thank you to the Iowa Pork Producers for coming on and being a sponsor of the Hawkeye Nation podcast. The Iowa Pork Industry, including production, processing, and packing, provided more than 141,000 jobs in 2015. That's about the total combined populations of Ames, Ankeny, and Coralville, with nearly 52% in production. And the pork industry contributed over $750 million in state and local taxes in 2015. Iowa, get this, Iowa produces a third of the hogs raised in the United States and is the nation's leader in pork production and more than 90% of Iowa's hog farms are family owned. So thank you to the Iowa pork farmer. Thank you to the Iowa pork consumer. Visit their website at iowapork.org. For one more beer for me, exile needs quality, so savagely. Best beer in all the land, brewed with a loving hand. From bottle, keg, or can, exile brewing, E-X-I-L-E, for me. HN Podcast, John Miller along with Rob Howe. Thank you to Exile Brewing Company, Heartland, Flag, Heartland Flagpoles and Flags, and the Iowa Pork Producers for their continued support and sponsorship of this podcast. Rob and I getting together in advance of this turkey day, and as we record this, it is uh, Monday evening, November the 20th. Um, there's you know a couple more Iowa basketball games to play this week. This will probably drop on Tuesday night, so Iowa will have played at least one more game since their loss to the Raging Cajuns from Louisiana. We'll talk about that here in a little bit, but let's just get this out of the way. Um, I was th- I was actually thinking uh, just before we started recording this. I think it was like less than two years ago. Iowa was just starting its basketball season off. Football was twelve and zero. And basketball was going to get to a, a high ranking of third in the nation, and Iowa played in the Rose Bowl. And boy, I tell you what, the uh, the feelings right now amongst Hawkeye Nation certainly are a little south of those things. Yeah, it's hard to sustain, but I think the uh, the feeling, uh, you know, when I was walking out of the stadium on on Saturday after the Purdue game, it was similar to you know 2007 Western Michigan, similar to. 2014 Nebraska it was depressing I mean a lot of the fans started leaving at the beginning of the fourth quarter there weren't that many people left in the stadium by the time that game was over and it it was not a good scene yeah it didn't didn't seem like that way on the tv um I don't know Rob I I'd, I'd still am a little befuddled over how they can look so good against Ohio State and you know, the Wisconsin game, as I said to Steve last night, maybe you can chalk that up. They're, they're a really good team, and their first opportunity to play, uh, to make a name for themselves this year. And But the, this Purdue game, the way that it unfolded, I don't want to say, I'm not, I am not saying lack of effort, but it just seemed like Purdue had more gas in the tank, 
more fire uh, consistently over the course of this game. Uh, I, I just I don't know what to put my finger on that. That was a really bad loss, and I ju- I just don't get it. Yeah, I mean, they the players said as much. I was surprised Nate Stanley after the game pretty much said that, you know, they were outplayed and Purdue was, you know, more motivated, it seemed. I don't know. I'm not saying Stanley said that, but it seemed like, you know, that cliche, they wanted it more. I, I think that was fair after that game. Purdue did want it more. They played harder. And that's that's not a good sign when you're Iowa football. Iowa, needs, Iowa football needs to play hard all the time. Um and play smart, and they've not played smart much at all this year, to be honest with you. They had, um, you know, the, they put it together against Ohio State, but they've not been smart most of the year. They've, And that's, that's concentration, too, and focus, dropping passes, penalties, um, you know, special teams play. All that stuff goes into it. It's just you get to the end of the year and you, you start to get a chance to analyze teams. And this just is not a good football team. It's, it's average. Maybe, um, you know, you, I, I'd give them that. Um, it was a nice winner over Ohio state. They played Penn state tough. Um, but they've just looked, especially just aesthetically on offense, just not good. I you think about Michigan state, you think about Northwestern, you think about Wisconsin and you think about Saturday, those four games were just, they were just hard to watch, and especially when you see what they're capable of doing against Iowa State and Ohio State. It just it doesn't make sense. No, it it doesn't make sense. Uh, it doesn't make sense at all. And I've I don't know, I, th- I sat back and thought about it a great deal, and obviously talked about it already a great deal. And I mean, what was the tenor like in that locker room after? I mean, yeah, Nate Stanley said you know they just played harder than us, blah blah blah. I think a lot of that time. A lot of quotes like that are just kind of tropes that you get tossed out because you don't necessarily have have the answers. And sometimes the truth of the matter is another team is it just plays more spirit. I don't want to say is more motivated or is you know out. They some some days the other team just plays better, but on a senior day and things of that nature, I just I don't. What were the what were the players like afterwards? I mean, I, I led my column with what Josie said, obviously, because to me that was kind of the eye-opener and, and <sighs> encapsulated kind of where where Iowa is right now. And he basically said he got up in the locker room and said, do you guys want to go to Detroit or do you want to go someplace kind of warm at the least? That mm-hmm. I, almost, I think that's almost his exact quote. So do you want to go to Detroit for the whatever it is now, quick lane – Little Caesars, whatever bowl that is, or do you want to go to, you know, the Pinstripe Bowl or the Music City Bowl or the Foster Farm? Because the Holiday Bowl guy looked like he needed a hug bad after that game that he was in the press box the other day. Um, I think he came there thinking, hey, we still got a shot at Iowa if they can win these last two games. Um, And he just looked, he looked dejected and I think that's kind of was the mood I I think the players were just I don't think they have answers John I really don't I mean I'm I'm talking to these guys through the whole season you know Nathan Budgeta Sean Welsh those are guys that are pretty introspective they kind of look at things and they usually give you pretty good answers and they seem at a loss now too so I don't know I mean it's 
it all it, it ultimately ultimately it falls back to the coaches. They're the guys that recruit these kids. They're the guys that train these kids. These are the guys prepare these. They come up with the game plans. I know they can't catch passes for these kids or or block or tackle or do any of that stuff, but it's their responsibility to get a team ready. And they just haven't looked ready enough this year, John, for the most part, save a couple games. No, they haven't. And I'll be curious after the Nebraska game just to see how these offensive numbers stack up and I remember after the 2012 season even last year's passing offense though it was one of the worst in school history that 2012 offense just felt futile and I kind of think after the Nebraska game when all shakes out and everything's said and done this year's offensive statistics are going to be really close to 2012 which was also the last time Iowa changed a coordinator and changed some of its terminology and nomenclature um Here's the hope, and next year's better than that. Well, I guess that begs the question, Is does Kirk hand – I mean, people ask me this. I don't know if there's an answer because I don't think I know enough about it, but does Kirk, does Kirk handcuff his offensive coordinators? These are the, the – you know, you talk about the first year of Davis, the first year of Brian. Does it take a while for them to get used to what they, what they can and can't do with – the foundation and philosophy of the head coach. Um, and I wonder, you know, because I think about some of the, um, some of the play calling when, when they were, you know, using Mark Wiseman on the stretch play mm-hmm. and you sit, think, you say to yourself, why are they doing that? And now this year we're saying, why is Akron Wadley running between the tackles all the time? Mm-hmm. It's. It makes me wonder. I don't know. I mean, I don't have an answer, but I certainly it's something to ponder. Yeah, I mean, uh, as as it relates to the you know handcuffing them or, or limit, I think Kirk has objectives, and I think I think you know they talk about wanting to find that run pass balance, but I think that they're going to be a run heavy team, and I also mm-hmm. think. Kirk is going to continue to play the percentages, and the percentages meaning play it by the NFL book. Uh, Low-risk offense. Don't make mistakes. Don't beat yourself. Don't eliminate yourself from the game. And have a defense that keeps plays in front of it and have a chance to win it at the end of the game. And and that strategy has actually worked pretty well for them um, against uh, against teams that that have more talent than they have over the course of the Kirk Ferentz era. Actually, you know, you can think of multiple games against Michigan, not so much against Ohio State, but, you know, to, you know, back in 2014, they, they came out in three tight end cents, caught Ohio State with their pants down a little bit, and then Ohio State pulled away in the fourth quarter. We obviously saw what happened a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I, I still think that Kirk has a winning record against Penn State in his time uh, in Iowa. And, prior, you know, prior to the, you know, Penn State scandals, Farron's own Paterno uh, in, in the Big Ten, and so on and so on. It's just the games against the Purdue's or the Northwesterns or you know the, the head-scratchers against Western Michigan or other games where they've been double-digit favorites that those are the ones that hurt or actually probably make people more angry because Iowa shouldn't lose that game uh, this week. Now, Purdue is better. Uh, than it was a year ago, and defensively they made some great strides. So I'm not trying to say that they're it wasn't it wasn't like losing to this year's Illinois on Saturday. But if Iowa wants to consistent to to take that next step and become an eight to nine win program a year as opposed to a seven to eight win program a year, 
You've got to take care of those things. And I think Iowa's style, while it allows them to hang tough with some of the Blue Bloods, it allows the lesser teams, the programs that are that are inferior to theirs, to actually hang around and beat them. Yeah, and in years when things aren't crisp, when things don't come together as the season goes on, as this one hasn't, um, they haven't, I should say, you have what happened against Purdue. And it's just, you look at what they're, you know, it's cap- the team is capable of doing against Ohio State, and then just completely, the air comes completely out of the balloon the last two weeks. Um, it's regression. And, you know, those are some of the, you know, I think 2014 there was regression. Last year, you had the Penn State blowout, but then they come back and beat Michigan. They win an ugly game in Champaign, and then they, you know, cook Nebraska at home. There was, you saw that team getting better. This one, you know, even with a win neck, even with a win on Friday, um, unless it's just a annihilation one sided, and I don't think that's going to happen. I don't know if this Iowa team can can do that right now. Um, it's 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 another season where it's been a roller coaster ride and a hard one to watch. And I think the hardest thing is when people watch football across the country. There is a lot of innovation. Um, there's a lot of excitement on offense, not just with teams that run spreads and things like that, but, you know, I, I, I think in six games this year, Big Ten games, they've scored 20 points or less or under 20. Some mm-hmm. some stat yes. saw the other day. That's just – that's hard for people to watch. And people may say, well, it's 20 points is, is a lot. And it's not a lot of points. Not in this day and age. It's not a lot of points. And it's hard for people to watch that. And – um I don't know. I, I just I get I, I I hate to use the word, but you you get to this point and then apathy starts to creep in. And there were sixty thousand people there the other day. That was the announced crowd, the sold tickets, sixty thousand. And then I would say maybe midway through the fourth quarter, it was sparse. There was hardly anybody left in the stadium, and that's not a good sign. If you're the you know if you're the the People in that university, you're building a new north north end zone. You're you're renovating this thing. You really got to keep a pulse on what's going on. That stuff can go the wrong way in a hurry. Yeah, it can, and it, it just seems like the um, the potential apathy sets in a little quicker than it used to. Uh, the 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 2015 goodwill, boy, it seems like that's spent already where it didn't used to run out that quickly. And maybe that just has to do with year 19 and familiarity. But yeah, uh, it was a Matt Benson on Twitter saying that Iowa has had six games under 20 points for the second straight season. And that's, that's pretty abysmal. It's less than three. Yeah. It's, it's less than three touchdowns per game. It means that out of the normal game where you have 12 drives, you're only scoring usually on three of them. And, Far too often, those other nine where you're not scoring, there's a lot of three and outs in those drives. And it is. It's very difficult to watch. And, you know, I kind of and, – and, again, I, I, I'm actually not going to go too crazy on this year. And I know this is going to tick some people off, and that's okay. We, we can all we – can, we can be irritated with one another and still respect one another and, and still say hi and hang out from time to time. Um I thought the offense was going to struggle this year. 
by and large, this offense has kind of been what I thought it was going to be, even though the Ohio State game really kind of helped ratchet up expectations over the last couple of games. But um, to me, this year has been about laying a foundation for next year. Because if there's any chance of Brian Ferentz being Iowa's next head coach, they have to crush it in 18 and probably 19 to be able to build or invest into the uh, Goodwill Capital Bank the the requisite goodwill needed for Kirk Ferentz's son to become the next head coach. So they're really going to have to hammer down next year. Next year's schedule is very favorable. They're going to have to do what Wisconsin's doing or very close to it in order to get people excited. There's going to be some people, if they go 10-2 and two next year, say, well, that was a horrible schedule. You probably should have gone no worse than that. So if, if Brian's going to be the next coach, they've really got, I think, win 20 games combined each of the, in the next two seasons. And having offensive imaginations like what we've seen the last couple of weeks isn't going to get it done. No, and I know this has kind of been the the battle back and forth between, you know, Kirk and his detractors. You know, people want more innovation. They want something different. They want, you know, some things that they saw against Ohio State or – you know, like you talked about in 14 again, uh, you know, up at Ohio State when they did some different things. And, you know, listening to Nathan Stanley the last couple weeks, he's talked about, you know, how hard it is to prepare for Purdue and, and Wisconsin's defense because they run multiple things. They stunt. Uh, they bring guys from different – they blitz. They do different things. And Iowa, you know where they're going to be. And – that's great when you have a team like 2015 or 2009 or 2002 when a team you're just can out execute the opposition. But when you can't, you give yourself the margin for error is so thin that you're probably looking even on even good teams. I thought the 2013 team was pretty good. Um, that was the year with, with Morris and Kirksey mm-hmm. Hitchens at linebacker. That was a decent team. Rudock had a decent year. Um, you know, but that was a team that didn't really do a whole lot because it was just, you know, they got some bounces and some bounces went against them. And then when that happens, you're, you know, and, and you're not making, um, taking advantage of, of opportunities, you end up with a, you know, a seven, eight win team, maybe six, seven, eight wins. That's kind of where you're at. And that's kind of the norm around here. And I just don't think that's enough for people anymore. Yeah. I, I think that you're probably uh, you're right about that. I mean, the halftime the other day was 131 yards for Iowa, um, eight first downs, 29 total plays. That's that's not all that entertaining. Their sure. first ten possessions the other day, John, were I forget when they scored the touchdown, which one that was, but I looked at the ten first ten possessions, seven punts, a pick. A fumble, which I think was the punt fumble, and a touchdown. So one touchdown, two turnovers, and seven punts in ten possessions to start the game against Purdue at home on senior day. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I've heard people say it's unacceptable, and i got to agree. I know Kirk hates that word. Gary used that after the 2014 season when, we went, when they went to the, you know, the January depth chart and picked CJ over Jake and all that other stuff, and then they're kind of – but it is unacceptable. You can't lose games like that. 
not when you're at this point in the season, you're a developmental program, you're supposed to be trending towards the end of the season. And you got beat by a team that's, let's face it, Purdue's, I don't know where they're going, but they look like a team that's that's coming up. Um, you know, yeah, I listened to Podolak and Dolph during the game on the radio while I watch, and Podolak multiple times said that Purdue is, you know, either just finished up or is finishing up a very impressive training facility, probably on par or maybe even better than Iowa's because, you know, after a couple of years, the next best thing, they just have two of them in there, you know. So he's like, they're, they're, and talked about their proximity to Indianapolis, this, that, and the other, and you get good coaches in there. He's like, their arrow's probably pointing up for the next decade. Now, whether that is happens or not, you, you just can't write them off uh, as an afterthought, and you just can't assume that I was going to roll it. I don't like the term unacceptable either, because in my opinion, and this may not be how you define it, but in my opinion, if you say unacceptable, that means you don't accept something, and something has to change or you're not in this instance going to come back or this. So that's why I don't like it. So, okay, it's unacceptable. What are you going to do? Are you, are you not going to buy season tickets or, you know, that's, that's the part of unacceptable that I don't like because that means something has to change or else kind of. And I think that's where it's headed, John, at least at this point. I mean, I can't predict what's going to happen in the future you know, with season ticket sales and things like that. And maybe they don't care. They're selling those North End Zone boxes. I, they've sold, I think, all the the stuff in the press box, you know, the big money stuff. And maybe the maybe if there is 60 or 65,000 people there, they're okay with it. Um, but that's the thing. I mean, as you talked about, and after 19 years, I don't know if it's you call it a Kirk Ferentz hangover, but he's built critics up over that time when there's been these dips. And he loses, you know, part of the fan base or some of them come back. And maybe that's the same people. I don't know. But when they took that dip in 2012, 13, 14, 15s, if you remember, 15s attendance was not very good coming off that 14 Mm -hmm. season. Then it built towards the end of the year when when they started to win. But I think they're going to have trouble next year uh, at the beginning of the year, especially because you're. You know, you get Iowa State at a home a home game, so that will be good. But the home slate's not great next year. No, uh, it's not. Well, I mean, you you get Nebraska at home, you get Wisconsin at home. Um, Northwestern's probably not going to make anybody do a dance. You got to go to Penn State. Uh, yeah, your crossover games are pretty weak, so you're probably right about that. Um, Saturday in Nebraska, uh, you've got Friday. I'm sorry, Friday. I've made that mistake multiple times. Friday in Nebraska. You've got, you know, Nebraska likely Mike Riley's last game as a head coach. Um, things aren't feeling so good, at least amongst the Iowa fan base either. What in the world can you possibly expect from this one? I don't know. I, I expect a funeral over there. I think that's pretty much what that place is going to be like. Just Because Mike Riley, I think, you know, what I've seen from him and what I've heard from people that have covered him, is a nice guy. And I think people feel bad about it, but they're also not going to, you know, it, it's, it's a, almost a foregone conclusion that he's done after this year, the way they finished um, and changing the athletic director. So I don't know. They got, they were getting trounced by Penn state and then they showed some life and came back in that game. They were losing at Purdue and came back and won that game. They're certainly, I mean, if Iowa plays like Iowa played the last two weeks, they're going to lose. And that's not, I don't think that's, 
people should think that's a surprise. Nebraska's not not off or not Illinois, so um, they have some some weapons that and, and they'll do things. Hey, you put eight or nine guys in the box and you blitz Stanley, and then you make them try to be, beat you that way. And if if Nebraska can do that against Iowa and have some success, does Iowa counter? Do they do anything different? Do they change? We haven't seen it the last two weeks. Maybe they do. Maybe they surprise us, and we see some things this week that we haven't seen yet. Yeah, I mean, Penn State uh, pulled their starters when they were up like 55 to 24, but still, I, I get what you're saying. I, I don't know what to expect either. Um... The black and gold unites us all, but then what? Kevin the Flag Guy from Heartland Flags here. If you're listening to this podcast, you bleed black and gold. But what comes after the Hawks? For me, it's the Cincinnati Reds and Cincinnati Bengals. Nope, can't explain it. What about you? Packers and Wizards? Pelicans and Sharks? NASCAR and the Jags? Bulls, Bucks, and Chargers? Whatever flag you want, we've got it. Jump online to heartlandflags.com and shop our huge inventory of sports teams' flags. You won't find a better selection or better prices anywhere. Guaranteed. And to top it off, free shipping on all purchases at heartlandflags.com. Oh, and that Iowa flag you've been flying since the Hawks last went to the Orange Bowl? Time to step up and freshen up with a new design. Check out our Hawkeye selection when you're shopping for your other favorite team flags at heartlandflags.com, where you'll never pay for shipping. All right, basketball, um, unless there's any more on football that you wanted to go go over. Um, no, I mean, I think we're all just kind of waiting to see how this story ends. Um, you know, yeah. I think that to get any momentum going into the next season, they've got to win this week, obviously, and then show up in a bowl game, which they haven't done recently. They can't. I think you lose either one of these last two games, and, and it's going to really put a damper on this season and make that Ohio State game just kind of a – people will look at that as an aberration. And right now it kind of looks that way. So we'll see. Well, I'll, I'll watch that uh, that 60-minute replay all summer long um, just, <laughs> and hug it tightly. Uh, basketball. Iowa, you know, pretty much playing tomato cans their first three games. First game against a, a solid opponent, uh, the University of Louisiana or Louisiana University, whatever they are. They're the Raging Cajuns, we know that. And Iowa, uh, down by 20 at halftime, got to within nine or eight uh, with about four or five minutes left to go in the second half, but then um, Louisiana pulled away. You know, it's, it's, it's basketball, and there's always a bit of a um, – I think a, a challenging fan transition from football to basketball in that, oh my gosh, the first loss in basketball, it, it almost carries in the minds of the fans the same type of weight and gravity that a loss in football carries when that's just not the case. But this is this this was Iowa's first real test of any kind. Um, one of the biggest concerns I had when I was predicting this year, and I, I think I had them 21 wins, 10 and 8 in the Big Ten, is I said I, I'm concerned about when teams are going to overplay Iowa's guards overplay them man-to-man, pick them up at half court, uh, and, and make it difficult for Iowa to get into the half-court sets and make those entry passes into the bigs where Iowa's going to have an advantage all the more challenging. And I felt like Iowa is a guard away this year. And this is just one game, so I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm right. But I will say that that game against Louisiana didn't make me feel better about some of my concerns, but it's November and it's college basketball season, and I'm not going to write their obituary just yet. Um, yeah, I agree with you. I think there's a heck of a lot more pressure on the basketball team when the football team doesn't meet 
people's expectations, which for a lot of people that doesn't happen very often. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there, I, I sense there's more pressure on basketball right now, and I, it, it almost seems like the expectations are, are elevated um, this year, maybe like football, maybe a year too soon. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I certainly don't want to, you know, limit the the ceiling of this team because I th- still think it has some potential here, and it's got two pieces that we we they, it doesn't have right now in Connor McCaffrey and, and Nicholas Bear that are, are are important pieces in this game uh, in, uh, for this team in terms of a backup point guard and then probably your most energetic player, you know, of all in, in bear. Um, but I agree with you and Grambling state did a nice job of pressuring the ball and either fronting or doubling the post. And Iowa hasn't been able to figure out a way to handle that. And I believe this stat, I haven't, I don't, I'm not looking it up, but I think Iowa was outscored today, Monday against Louisiana, 48 to 26 in the post. Mm. Um, and you look at and you line those two teams up on a playground, you'd be shocked by that. And Iowa was really getting out rebounded. They they made up the difference towards the end and I think it was 39-39 in the end of the game. But it, it's amazing or it's not amazing, but you don't think about it as much like you said by pressuring and taking the guards out of the game and and denying the post and not letting them get the, it neutralizes your advantage. And that's really what Iowa's got to figure out that and Iowa hasn't really shown to be a good three point shooting team yet this year. Um, they were what one for nine in the first half today, I mm-hmm. think. Mm-hmm. And that really sunk them. Um, and teams are going to try to take J Bo away. You know, they know he's the threat. There's no more Peter Jock there to open up the offense a little bit. So, there are some current concerns there, but as you said, it's early in the season, and there's 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 time for the players and the coaches to find ways around what teams. It's kind of like that pitcher batter mentality. What do you do to adjust to what the other guy's doing or the other team is doing? And they still have time to do that, and they still have time to take advantage of. I think some pretty good pieces on this team. I think Tyler Cook had five shots today, John. That's not enough for him. He's got to get more than five shots. Um, but some of that's on him. He's got to get open, and he's got to do a better job with his face-up game. Well, maybe, so yeah, some, I'm not going to say it's not on him. But, again, I, I making those entry passes from 25 feet is a lot harder than making them from 20. Your angles are more challenging, and that's how you turn the ball over. And Jordan Bohannon today had four turnovers, most of them coming in the first half. You know, Bohannon had 21. Moss had 24. Bohannon had 16 attempts. Moss had 17 attempts. That's 33. The rest of the team only had 27. They were 13 for 33, those yeah, two. Yeah. And a lot of it was when they were playing catch-up and yeah. they were jacked shots up. But, yeah, the inside game was just not a factor today. No, it was not. And uh, it's it's going to be interesting for sure. This is I, I tweeted this out last week. I said um, I think Iowa was go 11-2 and in the non-conference, 10-8. and in the Big Ten, and they'd be a nine or a ten seed in the tournament. I said if they go ten and three in the non-conference, losing one game in the Caymans, um, at Virginia Tech and at ISU, and then ten and eight in the Big Ten, I think they missed the tournament due to their non-conference schedule, which includes five teams that are probably going to be. What would that be? Twenty and eleven. Yeah. Okay. 
Twenty and eleven. Yeah, they'd have to do, they've had. They would have work to do in the Big Ten tournament. I think. I right. think they'd be right on. They'd be one of those teams that's being discussed on the bubble. Right, and that discussion would say, well, back in the part of the season when you get to pick who you play, Iowa chose to schedule five teams that are amongst the the um, twenty one worst in the country. And lost to the Raging Cajuns in the Cayman Islands. Yeah, that will that will be on there. I, I I think that this team isn't like a killer, but that hurts for sure, no doubt. In my opinion, Rob, they all they've almost exhausted that margin for error in Game Four. But I agree with you. Next team, I think, is going to be this year. Um, next year is going to be for for this team, but. Nobody wants to hear that right now, four games into the season. And that's, like you said, that's not the limit what this, these guys can do. And it is still November. So I'm not ready to toss the baby out with the bathwater. We didn't yet. really touch touch on the other side. I mean, the defense wasn't good today either. And that's a, that's an issue, guarding the ball. Um, and that was a problem last year. And they went to the zone today. And I, the times they've played zone this year, John, they just don't seem active enough in it. They don't move well in it. Um Fran lit Moss up today because he let two guys drive right through with the lane past him into the lane for, for short shots. Um, they got to want to play defense, whether it's man-to-man or zone. They have to want to play defense, and, and there's been a few hiccups so far this year in that regard. I think they go through, what, almost the whole month of October, and they, they don't even put their zone in until incredibly late. Yeah, he Fran waits. He, so they're really in the – you know the in, the – the early stages of, of getting used to it. And it looks like it. Yeah. I I would say maybe start that a little earlier. If you know that that's a defense that you're going to have to play, which you know that it is when you're limited on backcourt depth, you're going to need to play zone it for nothing else than to keep Bohannon from breaking down by the time you get to the middle of February. Uh, might've want to have a few more reps on those, but anything else that uh, we haven't covered before I let you go and you can start dreaming of turkeys and stuff. <laughs> I can't. There's not a whole lot going on recruiting. They they offered a a kid on a, on a visit this weekend that we wrote about, um, Deshaun Brown, a, a athlete out of uh, Racine, Wisconsin, who Wisconsin's already offered. So that'll be an interesting one. He says he likes Iowa, but he grew up a Wisconsin fan. Thanks for and, coming. Uh, yeah, and Iowa was nice enough to offer him. So and then they offer also offered. Uh, Cameron Brown, a, a big kid at a Council Bluffs, Thomas Jefferson on Friday. We did stories on both of those kids if people want to check them out on HawkeyeNation.com. But you got to see the – if you haven't seen it yet, go into the story and his mom tweeted a video of him just running through, just barreling through, laying guys out on 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 a video. Um, that's pretty entertaining. But he's a kid that could probably play linebacker or running back at the next level. He's a 2019 as well. Um, so another in-state kid with an offer. Um, and Dallas Cradieth, a safety, 2018 safety out of uh, St. Louis, uh, was here this weekend as well. He'll be back for his official visit on December 8th. Um, and he's down to Iowa, Nebraska, Illinois, and Indiana. Hmm. So and that would be a good get, and Iowa should be able to compete with those other four schools, and they certainly need help in the secondary right now. Um, and, and Iowa was, I think, the second school to offer him after Missouri. So, um, And Missouri's probably still in the mix. He hasn't officially visited or won't, but I think um, he's still looking at them as well. So 
I think people are interested to see how this class finishes off because that's one of the narratives that pop out when things get, oh, they're going to lose these recruits and uh, they're not going to get anybody. But so I think they're on, uh, in on some good kids here. And it'll be a big weekend, John, on December 8th this year, heavy on the official visits. It usually is in January when it was the old only February signing day. Mm-hmm. But now with signing day on December 20th this year, a one-day signing day, December 20th. That's JUCOs have a month starting on I, – right. I think the JUCO goes December 20th to January 15th. But it's one day, and as far as I know – Everybody in the that have everybody who's committed to Iowa at this point is planning to sign on December twentieth, and I believe that's fourteen kids at this point. Mm-hmm. So it's it's kind of a different dynamic than we're used to, because then you'll have that one group already in the fold, and then you see what they do in January to fill out the rest of that class. Yeah, I, I'm like envisioning like a Maury Povich, uh, "Who's Your Daddy?" type of day, when <laughs> uh, if all fourteen. Uh, LOIs don't come in. It's like, oh snap! Yeah, I don't know how. I don't know how Kirk's going to handle it either. Does he have two signing day press conferences now, or just the one? I mean, he'll be in bowl prep probably for uh, for this one. I bet so there's I'm, no way he has two. But I think Iowa will be tweeting out LOIs. I would imagine. Yes, and they'll probably have an, a release, maybe with a quote from him on each kid, or right. they'll do something like that it'll be something stock or they'll just write their own story at uh hawkeyesports.com and the rest of us will be screwed yeah exactly <laughs> like, like they do stories on the true freshman now but none of none of the rest of us can talk to them right right all right but well, I'm not complaining. You what oh you're not complaining i'm not, I'm not complaining <laughs> life is good it um, is it, it is good i i i it one thing that was disappointing on Saturday, John, was just hearing, and it, it, this has stuck with me now for 10 years, you know, because Albert Young's one of the guys I think that I've, I got closest with just in terms of after he was done playing and just connect, connected with him. And he still talks about, you know, that walking off the field in 2007 against Western Michigan and being booed and people yelling things at them. And there was some of that the other day when the players were walking off the field from fans, screaming things at the players, nasty things. And that's, I just, I, I, I know people get mad when we say it's only a game and it's, in the, you know, the grand scheme of things and perspective and all that. Um, but when it gets to that, it really is. I just, I don't understand the mentality of somebody that would do that to a college kid who's there on a scholarship who's working his butt off for four or five years to, you know, play there. And I know you, sp- I know people spell- spend money at the games, but it's just disappointing to see. I don't like to see that from the Iowa fan base. Yeah. I don't uh, disagree with you at all. So if you're doing that, stop doing it. <laughs> well, you and yours have a, uh, a great Thanksgiving, Rob, and uh, safe travels over to Lincoln on Friday. And yeah. Uh, you have a happy Turkey Day as well, and to the listeners out there, the same. And uh, I will see everybody over in Lincoln because I'm sure we'll have a lot of interest in that game. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. All right, that'll do it for this installment of the HN Podcast. For Rob, I'm John. Thank you for listening.